Rick Jensen. On 1150 AM, 101.7 FM, WDEL. Dr. Sandra Gibney is on the phone, 302-529-1017. I mentioned that because if you have any question about boosters, vaccines, things like that, bring it on. Uh, she's a straight shooter. And uh, I, again, serial uh, tester, serial vaccinator, as I like to say. And I'm glad to have you on. Hey, Sandra. Hi. Good afternoon, Rick. How are you? I am. Uh, I got my flu shot. I'm a good boy. Randy got his flu shot as well. You know. So we're. Yeah. yeah. I knew Randy would. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, quick discussion on. Uh, we were talking before about boosters, antibodies, and people saying, "Well, if you've got COVID, you have all the antibodies you need, so you don't have to get the vaccine. You don't have to get the booster shot." I was reading some scientific studies on that, saying that no, actually, that's not true. Uh, what can you share with us? Yeah, so some recent studies um, put out by Pfizer um, showed that when we're looking at um, their two-dose vaccine, unfortunately showed a 25-fold reduction in those neutralizing antibody titers um, against Omicron. Um, and, you know, that's very concerning because the neutralizing antibodies, the ones that can and kill and, and uh, you know, render innocuous the, the virus. But found by adding a booster, a third shot, those antibody titers uh, were restored to, to what they were previously seen um, back when we had two dose and were against um, wild types. So that third shot provided a 30 to 40 time increased antibody rise. And that's the important thing. Not only that, but you know, looking at it, they realized that the B cells, which produce these antibodies, uh, modify to be more effective the longer they're exposed to their source, the virus itself. They call it affinity maturation, meaning that neutralizing antibody develops more information and more mm -hmm. depth the more times you you see the protein. So we really think that that three-dose messenger RNA vaccine will partially kind of recapitulate that improved breath of antibody strength and maturation. It learns, if you will, every time. So, you know, there's been some other studies that looked at, well, what about people that got COVID and then didn't get vaccinated versus those that got COVID and then subsequently got vaccinated? And far and away, those people that got, had COVID but then uh, were vaccinated afterwards had relatively high neutralizations against Omicron. So vaccination plus previous infection gave them very superior immunity, and we believe Similarly, the booster will put them in that same category. We have some stuff coming out of South Africa labs now because, you know, they're the ones that are seeing the most uh, Omicron. Yeah. And, and some of these things are preliminary, but, but it's looking really good to say the booster is really that third shot gives you 30, 40 times increased rise in the, in the titers. And therefore, we would expect that neutralization of Omicron is what we're going to see. So, Some more good news is that uh, this medical researcher's doctor in South Africa who first discovered the Omicron variant has been on the media, including CNN this week and other reports, also saying still, um, it's, uh, yes, it's easily transmissible, but you're getting very, very mild symptoms, and even though it has, you know, 50 different mutations throughout, 35, 36 mutations, something like that, on the receptors, you know, the protein spikes themselves, it uh, it's 
it's not as uh, as virulent as, say, the Delta. It's it's not going to necessarily put you in the hospital. And that seems to still be the case. Is that what you're hearing, too? Yeah. So, again, we have preliminary data, and there's two things about this. First of all, the disease that they're seeing is mild. Almost all the cases so far have been mild. The symptoms have mainly been cough, congestion, and fatigue. One person was hospitalized, but there were no deaths. And that's as of, you know, as we speak now, um, you know, Omicron, the variant has been first found in, in South Africa last month, but it's been reported now in 57 countries. We got it in the U.S. as early as December 1st. And, um, you know, the data changes. But right now, 43 cases in 19 um, states and about a third of those people had had traveled internationally. But but, um, you know, importantly, um, what we want to do is we want to go to those parts of the world that have had a lot of Omicron, like South Africa, and look at the rates of hospitalization or the rates of death, either one, and see if those rates are higher than what we're seeing with, say, Delta or Alpha or the original SARS variant. And that's the kind of data we're looking at coming out, whether or not that overall death rate from COVID um, increase substantially to match the rise in, in the cases in Omicron. That's what we're seeing so far in South Africa. But my eyes are going to be on hospitalization rates and death rates as we start to see Omicron increasing in the share of, you know, in the proportion of the areas. And so far, what we're seeing in South Africa is that we're not seeing that huge bump in rates of hospitalization, rates of death. So we're encouraged, although the numbers seem high and the virulence seems high, We've seen that before, but I think most of us are worried about severe disease. We are, yeah. That, that's really, like, that really is the key right there. We're worried about more like, you know, severe disease. And I was reading more and more about viruses um, and, and their mutation. It's, it's not like it's a sentient being and, you know, the mutant virus now is, is trying to do this. It's trying to do this. Trying to, no, no, no. It, it's, it's simply a natural progression of the viruses that do mutate. And and I want to get your thoughts on this because I was also reading a piece that suggested from uh, some researchers and scientists that uh, as viruses mutate, it's because uh, this is natural tendency to evolve and become more, well, I guess transmissible is the word we use. And yet in doing so, it doesn't necessarily mean that if it's more transmissible you know, 50 mutations, 36 mutations, things like that, that it's going to be more deadly or more dangerous. In fact, something that, that I was uh, wondering about is it seems like as uh, some of these viruses, I said some of these viruses mutate, it's because they're actually weakening within the animal population and it's not going to be uh, nearly as dangerous or, or deadly as it mutates. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely spot on. And, you know, that's, that's something that we're trying to predict to see all these different. Now, you remember when we, we first started, I said, you know, any virus is going to change its nucleic acid sequence. You did. Um, and that was uh, nearly a year ago. When we first started talking about this back in, I think, February of 2020. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I said any good virus is going to mutate every two weeks. And it changes up the look. You know, I made a joke about it. People come in to solicit you at your door in the one way. They, they, they wear a red hat one day and a blue hat the next day. So you think it's a different person. Yeah. But but, um, but the thing that I think is most important to know is that this virus, the spike protein, I mean, it's not brilliant. 
but it's it needs a host. And, and the thing is, still binds at the same site, right? So yeah. even mixing and matching and having asymm- asymmetrical variations and symmetrical variations to change variations that change amino acids change the way that is. It still has to it still has to dock on that receptor of the body. This is how it enters into our cells. And after it's in, then it hijacks our messenger RNA and starts making copies of itself. And that's how you get it, you know, virulence and infection um, and sickness. But we know that it still has to do that docking. And that's how it invades and sometimes tries to evade the initial setting of the immune system. Because you got these cells that are sitting there, but you also have surveilling cells the antibody cells, if you have any exposure to it, you'll have some antibodies, but you have them kind of soldiers just kind of on watch. And, and the idea is that if they do come into your body, that they get neutralized, they don't dock on your ACE2 receptor, which, by the way, the ACE2 stands for angiotensin converting enzyme. Yeah. And it really is a that's a receptor we think the most about when people have blood pressure issues because they're on ACE inhibitors like monopril or estril, something in, that ends in ill. Um, but but that that typically is on the type two pneumocytes. So we have a lot of tools to look at what it's doing when it docks. And if it can't get in your cell, it can't make copies. It can't make copies. It can't make you sick. Right, and that's the key that the virus wants to make copies and changes uh, while they make. I, I use the word want. It's it's just it's just something that viruses. Not all vi- most, but I was also reading some viruses actually. Uh, have not gone through more than a couple of mutations, and that's, you know, from quite a long time ago, uh, from what they knew. Now, AstraZeneca has a preventative treatment for people who cannot get COVID vaccinations because of allergies or severe severe immune uh, compromised uh, problems. What's that all about? Yeah, so AstraZeneca received FDA emergency use approval because we know it's a small percentage but there's, there's people in categories, one, that are severely immunocompromised. Their organ transplants are on three different immunosuppressants. No matter what we do to try to vaccinate them, give them a stimulus, they're not going to respond. They're early on in their you know, rejection, if you will, risk. So those individuals, and we have a very, very small amount of folks that cannot tolerate getting the vaccine because of history of severe allergic reaction, meaning like anaphylaxis. And so those individuals uh, AstraZeneca looked at, and um, and basically they developed this uh, acting monoclonal antibody combination. It's really two drugs, two antibodies. Their, their marketing is Evusheld. It's two consecutive intramuscular injections. Um, and the idea, this is novel, this is new, is to prevent and immunocompromised individuals. Now, these are people that didn't get vaccinated, they can't get vaccinated. It's a prevention option. And their, their early studies, um, they had 3,441 3, people that got the antibody combination drug, and 1,731 got the placebo, and they found that it reduced the risk of developing COVID by 77% versus placebo. Um, Now, mind you, these are people that um, generally were a little older, 59 and up, and they want, you know, to understand this is not, although it's approved for 12 and over, it's not a substitute for getting vaccinated, right? But but it's, it's, it's the first step. 
So if they're able to develop something like this, perhaps in time, this will morph into for people besides those, you know, under emergency use that um, would use it as a preventative medication. Because, you know, with, with all our viruses, adenovirus and others, we've worked to get to a point um, with some of them that not only if you don't vaccinate, but certain medications um, can prevent you from contracting, for example, um, sexual partners with people with HIV uh, now take a preventative pill and with pretty high success don't get infected with that HIV virus if they stay on this particular preventative pill. Works differently, but this is this is like brand new. Um, and again, only for a very limited people because we want to do something to help us for folks that really the vaccine either can't be given or it won't work. Exactly. And that's the most important thing. Get vaccinated and you are really, truly more likely not to get really terribly sick or go to the hospital. That's that's the key right now. Uh, around the world, I, I see that uh, you sent me a little message here saying that 105 countries have less than 40% vaccination rate. Does that trouble yeah. you? Yeah, it troubles me a lot. Um, and that's uh, because we know the most important tool that we have to combat the pandemic and turn it from a pandemic into an epidemic and eventually eradication is vaccinating the unvaccinated. You know, they're... There's folks that um, 45 countries that less than 10 percent of the population are, have been vaccinated. So they're still going to harbor virus. They're still going to create variants. They're still going to cause mutations. They're still going to be a breeding ground for the rest of us. So when we talk about getting boosters, and I, and I, I am a booster you know, fan, fanatic, if you will, um, but we still have to keep our eyes um, you know, altruistically in other parts of the world where you know, we should also try to get more people vaccinated in some of those less austere areas um, because it will eventually harbor vaccine, you know, vaccine resistance and it will harbor these variants and mutations as it continues to have a host. Yeah, it's you know, it's, 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 and to your point, by the way, I'm taking a look at the, uh, you know, myhealthycommunity.dhss Delaware that, you know, shows the cases and the hospitalizations. And as we mentioned before, the key is you don't want to have to go to the hospital. Well, we are now back up to like 318 people in hospitals here in Delaware. 23 are critical. And uh, and sadly, these are some numbers that uh, we'd ha- had hoped not to see again. Uh, are most of these people Delta or Alpha, or do you know which strain they have contracted? Yeah, so in Delaware, again, all this has to be when you when you go back and someone gets sick and we send their sample um, to be uh, genotyped. Um, that takes a long time, so we're not like grinding out a millions of samples. It's not like you know when you have face recognition on your phone. It's not like that. It takes hours, sometimes longer, to do a genotype to recognize a virus. The more the virus is prevalent, the more we know it's you know, what it, what it's made up of, what is sequence, but this could be 32,000 nucleic acid sequences that we're looking at. So not every swab is going to get sampled, but what they do is they surveil and get, you know, certain samples. Now, some places that we talked about before, New York City and others, um, they actually surveil the water, the sewers, the sewer yeah. water. Right, oh, by the way, here in Newcastle together. County, uh, County Executive Matt Meyer was doing that. He was one of the first ones in the country to uh, surveil uh, sewer water. But it doesn't give you really neighborhood by neighborhood, but it can give you areas and regions uh, where it's prevalent as well. Yeah, that's 
that's when you're just looking to see if something exists. Yeah. You know, like if you just say, oh, my God, do we have measles again? Then you surveil for that. You know, and they were doing that kind of thing, looking at drugs. Well, oh, I want to get back to this one simple question before we wrap up yeah. here. And that yeah. is this. I look at the November 25 uh, hospitalizations, 159 people. Uh, and now I look at December 8, and we're up to 318 people in the hospital. What's happening there? Yeah, so, again, I think you want to look at it from the number of infections versus the – do they rise to the two curves? Do they rise simultaneously? Um, are they symmetrical? So we have a lot more cases of COVID after people commingled and traveled during Thanksgiving. Odds are – that some of those folks, because of underlying medical conditions, are going to not do well. They're going to have respiratory problems. And, you know, as a doc, you know, over this past week and a half, two weeks after Thanksgiving, we saw people with poor immune systems, underlying health conditions, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, asthma, that struggled when they got sick. Mm -hmm. So, but recall when we first started this and people it was people like you and me that were hospitalized, and that was not expected. So some of this rise in hospitalization is going to mirror the rise in infection, and we know that that's happening right now, and we know why, right? We know why. So I think, you know, the giddy-up from this is what can we learn from this? Because well, the vast, the vast majority of people in the hospital are unvaccinated. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Exactly. All right, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Gibney, uh, any one last word before we go? Get your flu shot. It's, it is running rampant right now for the same reasons that COVID bounced. Nobody got a flu shot this year. They were so worried about COVID. Not enough people got a flu shot. Please get your flu shot. It's so important. If you get infected with COVID and influenza, it will not be good for you. So please get your flu shot. Um, you know, do it now. Yep. I would get your flu shot before your booster, honestly. No, I, I appreciate that, Dr. Sandra Gibney, uh, running around with a needle. Let me, let me help you here. <laughs> no, you're the best. Yeah, straight shooter. Thanks so much, Dr. Gibney. Anytime. There's more Rick Jensen coming up on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL.